and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're four season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. In this week's show we review Bristol's 22-12 defeat away at Sale. A mighty physical game as the Sharks complete the double over us. Have they found the magic formula to beat Bristol? We look forward to next week's game against the Tigers at Welford Road with the help of BBC Radio Leicester's Chris Edgerton. Will we bounce back to winning ways? Hear our thoughts on this pivotal game. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee, Miles and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, first of all, let me come to you, Miles. I believe uh, you've gone down to um, the stately home down in Devon uh, and you're you're calling us from... uh, from one of the wings there uh, today. <laughs> well, absolutely. Yeah. I've been pushed out by the royal family into the bedroom, TC. But you're right. I'm in East Devon in the in the family holiday home, and I had a lovely day on the beach in Exmouth. Little swim in the pool in Topsham. But uh, thankfully for you boys, I'm enjoying a fantastic Bristol ale. I don't trust this Devonshire lot. So uh, enjoying a nice, a nice Arbor Ale here in Topsham. So, so, so you're uh, relaxing in the stately home, Pete. You're you're in a caravan in a field. That's right, Tone. I'm currently lying on my bed in a caravan, having also spent uh, the day on the beach. I, I think I got a bit of sunstroke, so I, I'm not sure you're going to get the, the quite the same razor sharp analysis from me as uh, as you always do. Um, but I'll try my best for you, mate. All right, and you're you're down in glorious Devon as well. I am. I'm down in. I'm in the South Hams, a little bit further down into to Devon than Miles. Yeah, he, he probably owns half of it though, so you you might well be on his turf. And and Lee, <laughs> fella like me, you're you're up in Bristol still. I'm in BS3, Tony. Yeah, I've had a, a lovely day. My cousin Kate's come down for the day with, with her husband Greg and um, little Harry. So we've had a fantastic day in in sunny BS3. Fabulous. Well, I was out in the garden, and uh, yeah, I think I got the first bit of uh, sunburn of the uh, the summer. But uh, what a what a wonderful day it's uh, it's been. And we're recording this as normal on Sunday evening. Well, let let me come to you, Miles. First off, um, going into the game against Sale, um, how confident were you, especially when uh, when you saw the team that uh, Pat had picked? <laughs> Um, I think I think probably you'll probably agree you'll be quietly confident. I think the problem is we all knew that Sale have got some, you know some South, South African muscle up in their team, and it's never going to be an easy game going up to here, Jay Bell. But that I mean that team sheet looked very impressive, and obviously Pat was sending a team out there to win. So yeah, quietly confident, but then obviously you know as the game ensued, things uh, things changed somewhat. Yeah, Pete. Let me come to you. Um, what, what did you make of that first half? Um, first time I think we've seen a Bristol game, and in fact, the first Premiership game where there hasn't been a, a solitary point scored. Yeah, I mean, it was it was unusual, wasn't it? And I, you know, I think it, it was a, it was one of the more one sided nil nils you'll ever see. Um, but to be honest, you know, there was a lot of huff and puff for the square root of. Uh, F all really, and it, you know we've seen this before from Bristol, and I think this is the problem: is that we really, really need to take some of these chances and some of this uh, this pressure, um, because as as was proven, it, it kind of came back to to bite us in the second half. So yeah, I mean it was quite good fun. I mean there was some good rugby, but um, yeah, it was it was a it was a it was an odd first half for sure. 
And Lee, if I come to you, Withywood boy, you're used to a bit of physicality. Um, what did you make of that? Is, is that the kind of game you enjoy seeing, that kind of real hard, tough up front forward uh, uh, packs bashing into each other? Um, is, that, is that your type of rugby? Well, you know, I, I, I love a little bit of balance, Tone. I, I do like the physical stuff, but all, you know, equally I like the running rugby. But, um, I mean, it was definitely, you know, I mean, the physicality. But I, I thought we matched Sal. Um, in that first half, like Peter just said, I mean, we had like 78% possession, I think. And I, it was just one of those cases where, we, again, we just did not take our chances. And Sal defended amazingly well. Um you know, Curry, the Curry brothers again, are, you know, fantastic, weren't they? And I just felt that it was one of those games that we needed to take those chances, as Pete had said. No, absolutely. I mean, from my perspective, it it felt like Sale came with a, a very clear game plan that they, they were going to defend, they were going to uh, stop us, uh, our, our normal running game, and then hope to take the few opportunities that came their way. And uh, and, and they did that, didn't they? Um, uh, Miles, let, let, let me come to you. So it was half-time, nil-nil. Benil goes over four minutes into the second half. Uh, we're five-nil up. What were you thinking at that point? Well, I, I think like most other games, really, I thought we pressed on ahead quite... Well, not, I wouldn't say quite easily after because the first half showed that Sale were defending um, very well. So it was obviously going to be a very tight game. But I thought, you know, that's basically the introduction we needed to kick up the bum. And I thought from there we may go on and push to another try and get a slight lead. Um, but obviously things didn't quite turn out to go, go as planned, really. And... Um, you know, the second half proved very, very tough. And obviously, perhaps we'll come and chat about this in a while, you know, the, the semi-decision sending off um, led to points for sale, which, which didn't help us at all. Well, Pete, on that point, let me come to you. The uh, semi-ranrandra, um, well, two incidents, wasn't it, uh, that uh, we looked at. Um, how, how did you see that? Well, <laughs> well, I was like everybody else. I was praying. <laughs> to, I was praying to the Lord Tempo that he was going to uh, be be on our side. And I mean, the ref was desperate to send him off, as far as I could tell. And and for, for once, the TMO I think came to our came to our rescue. I mean, ironically, that whole semi thing was a was also a kind of a, one of the other a factor amongst a, another couple of factors which I think led to our defeat. And that was that, you know, when Faf de Klerk came off on 57, I thought, oh, you know, this is this is all right. I mean, but then Rafi Quirk, who came on, I thought made a huge difference. And obviously it was his run uh, and break that, you know, Semi ended up trying to decapitate him. So, you know, it was a combination of the two things. And I think, you know, in the end, I mean, it was obviously a yellow. There was no doubt about that. Um and yeah, you know, we lost twelve points from it, didn't we? And and then I think our in, you know, our intensity went down, and we started missing a few tackles. Um, their bench got their pecker up, and you know, in the end, it was a it was a combination of the the yellow, their bench, and and our and, and our intensity went down, and you know, three tries they got. No, absolutely, because I think we were something like uh, we'd only made twenty five tackles in the first half. I, I think we we it was a hundred in the second half. Lee, let, let, let me come to you also on the semi-Ranrandra uh, point. Uh, were you worried at uh, at some point that, that that could have been the end of semi-season? 
Yeah, I, you know, I had to to walk away from the TV team because I I was kind of I like Pete. I was praying, <laughs> you know, an atheist was praying in in his lounge watching the game, and and I was thinking, I mean, potentially, you know, it just wouldn't bear thinking about with it. I mean, you know, losing semi for you know for the business end of the season would be a, an absolute nightmare, but. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it proved pivotal, didn't it? So, I mean, the yellow card and Cell took absolutely full advantage of it. And then, um, you know, we're chasing our towel. And I, I do agree with Pete. I think then we did start missing a few tackles. And, you know, the, the last thing you want is a confident Cell. You know, all that defending they did in the first half and we thought they would be shattered by the second. But obviously, as we all know, momentum in rugby is, you know, is nine-tenths. So... As soon as they had that, you know, that belief, um, and we were on the back foot, and I, and I thought then this, I don't think we're going to pull this one round, and you know, it, it kind of just how it panned out. Absolutely, I think. Uh... You, you, you. Uh, I think going back to the point that Pete made, you know, the referee looked like he was all ready to um, to send Semi off, and uh, I think it was the yeah. Lino, wasn't it, that stepped in and said, because he said, "Is everyone agreed?" And the Lino goes, "No, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. that, 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 that's not and, not how it's been explained." No, and that takes a lot of guts. You don't see that very often, do you? You know, someone actually to you know to make that point. That, no, actually, I, that's not the way I did see it. And um, you know, thankfully for us on that occasion. You know, we got we did get the the right call, but yeah, in terms of the game, it was um, yeah, it was it was the game changer, wasn't it? It, it certainly was. Um, Miles, let me let me come to you. Um, obviously, we pulled a try back on seventy three. Well, I was I mean that was a fantastic thinking from such a young head. I suspected, as most fans did, that he was going to go for the corner. But there were three sale defenders really ready to just push him into touch. You know. He made a quick step, pretended to come inside, and then changed his mind at the last minute and then fired back out to the try on the line. And that was five points, job done. I mean, excellent decision by Joanne Lloyd and full praise to him for that, for that try. OK, boys, well, let's, uh, you know, the rest is history. We thought we might be uh, get the, the one-point losing uh, point. Uh, but we didn't. We conceded that penalty and uh, they, they put it out of reach. So final score, 22-12. Uh, Pete, let's uh, maybe have a look at some of the performances then. Um, who was it uh, in, the, in the pack, maybe? If you take the pack, who stood out for you? Well, for three quarters of the match, I mean, our front five was was, was brilliant. I mean, we, we, we were really solid. I mean, what I, we had dominance over them in the scrum. Um, in the first half, I think you know Atwood and Vui in the engine room were were solid. I mean, I think you look back at that first half, you can't complain about anything the forwards did. Um, they did everything they got to do. I mean, the only disappointment slightly was a couple of, I think we butchered maybe one or two lineouts when we'd gone for the corner, and of course that's made made us think maybe we should have taken the points in hindsight. But so I don't think you can complain about our pack. I think we matched them. I tell you what, what it wasn't really our our pack being overwhelmed by their pack. It was them 
their rush defence that, that got us most of the time. And then fair play to them, they defended their line when they had to. And, and you know, we did that that little thing where there's always a chance for knock-on or a ceiling off or whatever. So, you know, I think the thing was, I think when Dave Atwood went off in the second half, that was probably a big moment. And, you know, combined with their bench coming on and semi going off. And I think then maybe our forwards did lose a little bit of intensity. Um, so, yeah, it's hard. You know, I thought they all, I mean, Matt Sinclair got man of the match, didn't he? I think on the, on the Bristol, on the website. And he was solid. There's no doubt about it. Um, I thought Fitz Harding, to be honest, in the first half, I, you know, I thought they all played really well in the first half. Nathan was, you know, was was uh, bounding around with alacrity. Fitz Harding was getting involved for a young lad. Um, so yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. But anyone had a bad game up to that last quarter, really. Yeah, I thought Ben Earl as well uh, was really yeah. uh, throwing himself in there and just yeah. trying to get across the game line, which we didn't manage to do that often. Yeah. Um, Lee, let me come to you. Uh, uh, looking at the backs, uh, obviously, uh, Morahan only lasted a couple of minutes. That was uh, that was disappointing to see him go off so early. But uh, how do you think we played across the back line? I, I thought the back line struggled a bit. I think Peter just uh, alluded to it before. I think that Sal's rush defence kind of... I don't know, we were going so far backwards that actually just to... to you know, meet the game line again was a, a struggle, and you know we just seem to be doing so much work just to just to get to that point. Um, I guess there's probably you know only I mean I thought Charles was was okay. Um, I thought Maylins was okay, but I, I I do think that some of the others struggled. Um, obviously, it wasn't Semi's greatest uh, day at the office, um, and more disappointing me like for me was Piers O'Connor. I thought. You know, you can, you can kind of, you can say, well, obviously it was his first start for a while, but um, I guess he's just been so consistent, hasn't he, all season? That, um, you know, it's just probably going to take him a, a few games to get back up to up to speed again. But um, well, yeah, I, I mean, can't I, be honest. Go on, sorry, Pete. I was just going to say, I mean, in Piers O'Connor's defence, I don't think he was given much space by uh, no, by, no. by, and I think, and I don't think the ref. Like gave him much help either. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know whether we're going to discuss this, but I, I thought that one of the reasons Sale, like their rush defence, was 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 pretty much offside half the time. And yeah, it's kind of anti rugby. I mean, you know, officials spent hours going over tries and nitpicking on all this and tiny weeny knock-ons and 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 you know some of these Sale guys were a yard offside. Now yeah. you know this is this is the this is. This goes against the teams like Bristol that are trying to play rugby, and and the ref and you know the refs. I mean, I don't blame Sale for it. They just do it till they get told not to, and it's just it's starting to really wind me up a little bit. But I also think that so Piers O'Connor, I think to be fair to him, was just getting the ball when someone's about to smash him. There wasn't a lot he yeah. could do. I think what I think the person that needed to take control of that was was Callum Sheedy a bit more. And actually, I think we needed to change our game plan. And just launch a few massive up and unders, or just outside their twenty-two, and just get them on the back foot a couple of times. It was obvious. I mean, it was exactly a carbon copy of what we what they did, uh, Ashton Gate, and we we didn't do anything different. Um, and I just think we we needed to just be a bit more pragmatic in that first half. When after about ten minutes, it was clear what they were doing. Ref wasn't going to ping them, so you have to do something else. And all we ended up doing was trying to do the same thing the whole time. Which, and as you rightly said, Lee, we just got deeper and deeper. 
and then obviously got ourselves in. So I, I just think some it worried me. I just think that you know we talk about learnings all the time, and I do wonder whether we have actually learned anything against a team that do, do you know smashes what, us. I, I would certainly agree. I was shouting at the TV to, for Chidi to do the same thing. Because I, I just, just launch thought, one, also, like George Ford yeah, does. I know we don't like exactly. to be moan about George Ford, but launch one, like get one, sit deep and just launch it back over their heads so they've all got yeah. to turn round. And then get, have a hard kick chase. Semi's like, get semi. Say, right, semi, I'm going to launch one. You target their fullback, smash him, and then we know we're brilliant from broken play. Yeah. I just thought, why are we not? Why are we trying to run it in our 10 metre line when we're getting smashed, where we could be kick chasing on their 10 metre line or their 22? And yeah. I don't know. I just thought that was my, my one concern, I've got to say, about we're not going to... This is what we're going to find when we meet them again or we meet Exeter or Leicester next week. That's what they're going to do. And I'm just thinking we need to learn this really, really quickly. And we might have to be... Yeah. If we want to win this league, we've got to be pragmatic. And also it puts the doubt in, you know, Sal's mind then because yeah. they, they don't know what we're going to do. Whereas, exactly. I mean, we did... We absolutely choreographed it so much for yeah. them. And... And it was their bread and butter, wasn't it? At the end of the day, it's, you know, it's exactly what they wanted us to do. I think. I think that's certainly. You, you look at where we've struggled and where we've lost games this season. It is where where people have put that back line under pressure, where they they've smashed us at the breakdown, uh, and, and we've been unable to to adjust quickly enough. Um, and yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be fascinating not, to see. It's, I'm it's, not even sure it was the breakdown this this time. I don't. Think, I don't. I think we. I mean, the Curry brothers are great, you know. But I thought we competed at the breakdown fine. I, I think it was just that rush defence that we just didn't cope with at all. I, th- I think I, I I say the breakdown because I think we had to commit so many players to to it to make sure that we yeah. we didn't get turnover. Uh, yeah. where, where we might have had the big runners in midfield, you know, for for a lot of the time, they yeah. were they were having to to get in there and and make sure we secured the ball. But uh, yeah, you think to the you know we talked about it before the the, the semi final Premiership semi final last year against Wasps, um, and and lots of the teams it it hit us hard at the breakdown and it it's put that pressure that rush uh, rush. Uh, defence um, OK Miles let, let, let me come to you um, I suppose the silver lining might have been that uh, or was that uh, we saw Harry Thacker and uh, Chaparro back <laughs> Absolutely I mean I think we were all quite surprised to see them uh, on the team sheet weren't we even on the bench really haven't had very little stroke, no information from Pat and the training team about, uh, you know, when they would be back. Something to find out from, uh, you know, the Bristol Post uh, reporters on Wednesday that they might be fit. So, I mean, it was it's fantastic, really. Um, and um, well, it's encouraging, really, to see that. I mean, it wasn't evident that anyone, apart from Morahan, picked up any big knocks in that game. I mean, it's such a physical game. I mean, you know, you'd think the whole 15 boys plus the bench are going to have headaches, really, heading back to Bristol this weekend. But it was encouraging. I'd love to see Thacker back. Um, but, you know, you know, I thought Kerr stepped into that role fantastically well, really. Um, and I think he's been a sort of genius sort of boat signing of the season. He did well. But it was lovely to see Harry back going into the what we describe as the business end of the season to see some... Argentinian beef back in the pack is just brilliant as well. Just really, it's just going to help our cause, really. Great. And uh, uh, Lee, let me come to you. Um, 
What one one person that was missing again from the squad uh, was Dan Thomas. Now, I've got got my own theories, but I'm just interested to hear your thoughts. Were you were you surprised that uh, for a, a game that was going to be physical, um, that that we didn't have maybe one of our most consistent forwards uh, in in the twenty three. Yeah, I, I mean, I always think if uh, Dan Thomas's name isn't on the, the the team sheet, you know, I always uh, I always question it. Um, but I'd be interested in to to hear what your theory is, Tone. Actually, are um, you going to spill the beans for us? Or <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's slightly sad, but I I just wonder whether it's the same as. Uh, you know, we had with Madigan, we had with Prothero, we had players that were really um, just all of a sudden frozen out. And I mean, Prothero was was in some real sharp form. I, I just wonder whether there's been something with Pat, either, I don't know, some, some uh, you know, Dan Thomas has done something that's that's wound Pat up and he's, he's put him to one side, or, God forbid... I wonder if Dan is is planning on moving on because I just think at this business end of the season, not to have someone that's fully fit, rested and, um, you know, such a consistent performer uh, in the league, not anywhere near the team. uh, What's that now? Three, three games, I think Uh, might, might even be four. Um, I just think there's something more to it. And I, I, I do wonder whether, you know whether this is almost could be the end of Dan, and I I I'd hate to see that because he's one of my my favourite players. I always love watching him. Pete, let me come to you. Um, your, your thoughts on Thomas? Do you do you think I'm reading too much into it, or uh, do you do you think there is something more than just him or other players um, on better form, according to to Pat in a recent interview? Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you're wrong, Tony. I, I do. I, I thought he was going to play this. This. I thought it was a, ga- a good game for him to play. Get up there, you know. We we know they've got a t- great jacklers in the Curry brothers. You know, we needed to match them, and uh, I, I, I don't know. I find it hard to think that that if there was some sort of personal issue, that at this crucial point of the season that those sort of things would get in the way of, of, of the best decision for the team. Um, and, you know, regardless of if there's something gone on behind the scenes, you can't knock his record this season. If you want to win games, you've got to get the best players playing in the right position. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, it's an interesting theory. To, to, I think if it had been two games out and it was the third one he missed, I might have thought no, but you're right. It's a, it's a worrying omission, I guess. We'll only really find out when he names the team for Leicester because if he's not in the in the squad for Leicester, then then I think yeah you're right. Personally, though, I mean I can't see it being. I mean, you know, we we obviously we've met Dan Thomas. I mean, he doesn't seem like a character to to kind of upset the apple cart, so to speak. But I but I did actually um, I did wonder about possibly him moving on. You know, um, maybe back to Wells. I think that could have been a, an issue, but. Um, yeah, again, I, I agree with Pete. I mean, I hope you are wrong, Tony, but, you know, let's face it, you're not wrong very often, are you? So, um, you know, only time will tell. 
Well, I saw I saw some speculation as well on the the fans forum, and and take this with a pinch of salt because you know anybody can throw any theory in there. But but someone was claiming that when we had the mass um, re-signing uh, last season, Dan Thomas was one of the last to to actually put pen to paper. So um, I, I I do wonder whether you know whether he's with his Welsh ambitions. Um, you know wh- whether he 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 maybe think is thinking of somewhere else. Now this is pure speculation. I don't want to get all our listeners too worried, uh, but it does seem really strange to a bit me. Late that, now, Toad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, uh, that 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 Dan Thomas keeps missing out on that starting twenty three. Okay, well let's have a look at some of the other results from this weekend. Uh, Gloucester won it at the end, 30-28 against uh, Irish. Um, Quinns uh, winning 44-33 against Bath. Uh, Worcester 17, Leicester 18. Uh, Saints 30, Wasps 25. And today's game, Exeter 74, Newcastle 3. Uh, which I mean, you almost got to say that again, haven't you? It's one yeah, of those, isn't it? That's seventy-four seven four to Newcastle's zero three. Um, oh, Tony, you know, you know, Tony, you know, I'm down here. Yeah, we, Tony, you know, I'm down here in South Devon. I'm convinced I saw Newcastle on the beach today. Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, I, some something was missing at Sandy Park because to take a beating like that, um, and I know they they didn't have a great deal to play for, but uh, I think two things. One, one is uh, that's that's rather worrying that Exeter are hitting that kind of form. I think that's twelve tries. Uh, but also, if I was a, a Newcastle fan, I, I'd be seriously worried about. Uh, what what that might mean for next season, but I suppose with ring fencing there is uh, maybe you don't need to worry quite quite so much as before. So after all those results, uh, we are still top of the table with seventy six points. Exeter in second with seventy three. Sale in third with sixty eight, and then Harlequins with sixty six in fourth place. Well, let's talk about the next game. That's Saturday, the 5th of June, 3pm kickoff. It's Leicester Tigers versus Bristol Bears. And before we discuss it, we'll catch up with Pete's Premiership preview. And this week it is with Chris Edgerton from BBC Radio Leicester. Let's have a listen to that now. Right. So I am joined by Chris Edgerton, who is Radio Leicester's rugby commentator, um, who is going to have a chat with us about the upcoming game. So thanks very much for giving up your time, Chris. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Pete. My pleasure, any time at all, don't you worry. Excellent. Well, I thought I'd start off by just asking you about the Challenge Cup final, actually. Um, generally, what your thoughts were on that night? And, you know, was it a case of, of Leicester maybe letting one slip there? Possibly. It didn't feel like that at the time. Um, there was a period about, and if you watch the game, you'll probably remember it, there was about a, a, an extended bit of kick tennis from about the 70th minute, maybe 68th, 69th, through to about the 72nd, 73rd, when you're thinking, hang on, Leicester are one point behind. 
They've got to do something here. They've got to try and force the game in the way that unquestionably Bristol would. They just run it, well, they run it from everywhere from the first minute, let alone the 71st. So that was where you were looking for Leicester to take the initiative. The problem for them was, as our mutual friends Bath found out in the, uh, in the semi-final, trying to break that Montpellier line was really, really difficult. So I'm a bit hesitant about that. Did Leicester try anything different? No. But did they, could they have done any more? And I'm not sure that they did because when they did try and run it through the Montpellier line, you've got some huge ball carriers. Duplessis knows his way around. You've got terrific back row there at Montpellier. I mean, they are not a side that should be in the lower reaches. I mean, 29 million euro budget, they should be top six. And they have a top six budget in the top 14 as well. So, uh, no, I don't think Leicester at this stage of the development, could have done much more. I think it showed, in fact, where Leicester are as not quite the sum of all of its parts. Because a class side, a class side in those circumstances, and Bristol are starting to do that. I notice the team that you uh, you played on Friday night, uh, Sale, they're starting to get like that as well, aren't they? It's that side that when it's tight... When you're looking for an opposition mistake, you don't necessarily force the mistake. It's that positive bit of play that gets you over the game line. And maybe that's confidence, maybe it's squad depth, I'm not sure. But Leicester aren't quite there. And it's why, well, they might finish fifth, but it's why they're top six material, but not necessarily top four right now. So uh, since the the defeat um, at Ashton Gate earlier in the season, I mean, Leicester appear to have picked up quite a lot of form. Um, Are we starting to see uh, a definite Borthwick vision or a Borthwick culture coming through? I think think in terms of the model, yes, but I think you saw that prior to that uh, game. And I don't think those Bristol fans who watched the game necessarily got an idea, really, of what Leicester were all about because it was very much... A rotated side. I say that I say rotated rather than weakened because Borthwick's plan is clearly to develop a squad at the very least this season where there's two people competing for each individual position. Now you didn't see the England internationals in that particular game, and I'm looking at the the team that he that he put out there. It was still a strong side, but I think with the it being the last game that Diaz Benicia, for instance, played at uh, at ten since then for the club. Uh, you're seeing Leighton Unger who, uh, who went off. He's not played that much. He's been injured to a degree. There is, though, it's not quite a second string feel to it. I won't go that far. But it, the problem at Leicester for the last three or four seasons has been the lack of depth uh, of having a very handy international standard in some cases, fifteen. Well, one or two exceptions, obviously, but then the backup players weren't really that good. So you've seen youth brought in. You've seen the likes of uh, Freddie Stewart, who to me is one of the best English fullbacks uh, in the league right now, arguably the best, uh, certainly amongst the younger uh, contingent, although de Glanville at Bath will probably have something to, uh, to say about that, as well as Furbank at Northampton. Uh, you've also got George Martin, who got his England cap, who's a very, very useful bat rower in that rampaging lock sort of way. Tommy Rafael, I think, is one of the, along with Sheedy, is one of the best Welsh players in the uh, in the league. Terrific open side. But you've then also got the likes of Joe Hayes up front and Van Portfleet, 
who again is a very, very talented scrum half. His problem is only that he's got the current England scrum half in front of him and a certain Mr. Wigglesworth too was about to get his 300th appearance, you would have thought, against Bristol in the Premiership. So there's depth being developed there. There is a Borthwick style. And that is rolling balls. 13 tries in the Premiership uh, before the game against Worcester. And they scored a couple at least when Worcester came to Welford Road. So, you know, there's bound, we're talking here before that that, that game takes place. So there's bound to be a rolling ball try this weekend. Um, I just think there's clarity. There's detail. The ladder has transferred from England to Welford Road, where Borthwick is regularly seen. There is a style of play. And also, and this is the key bit to remember, I think they've got um, a little bit of a reputation for not playing much rugby. And that was certainly true in the first half of the season. They were just trying to get combinations together, be defensively strong, produce a, a decent forward pattern that's going to compete. They've now opened it up slightly and they are starting to play a little bit more. Now, against the very best sides, as you saw against Montpellier and as you've seen in recent results against Bath uh, and Northampton, can we call Bath the top side? I don't think so. Um, the um, there's, there's, there's been some narrow defeats against some good sides. Mm-hmm. They One win against a top four side this season came two weeks ago in Santa Carla Quinns. And if you watch that tape again, they were class in that first half. It wasn't all about the forwards. The very first try, sustained phases of possession, and then the most gorgeous delayed pass from George Ford to send Matt Scott over to the left of the post. And from there it went on. So they're getting there. They're not the finished article. I think next season there'll be a team to watch depending on what recruitment they uh, they complete for the end of the season. But the Borthwick model is very much there. And if you ask any Leicester Tigers fan where they expected to be, top six and a European final is probably not what they expected. I thought it was possible. I thought they could get top four if everything went there. Well, that's not going to happen. But top six would be a real achievement. And Champions Cup rugby is, is certainly something to look forward to. That's, I mean, that's, that's that's really interesting, really kind of fascinating. I mean, taking that all into account, I mean, how do you think the game against Bristol is going to go then? Because it could well be a humdinger by the sounds of it. Well, okay. well, for a start, Welford Road with fans. Um, you know, you've already had it. We haven't had it at Welford Road yet. We had it at Champs Cup Farm. My God, there was noise with 10,000 inside there. Um, they're going to get a bit of a taste. Apparently, <laughs> lots of Tigers fans are uh, of... of nicked all the, uh, the general sale tickets for the Warriors. So when you listen back to that <laughs> and you hear it, it, it's a bit mixed, that's the reason yeah. why. Um, so that's going to be something to look forward to. I might make myself unpopular in the Bristol area here, so um, don't don't shoot the messenger. But the one thing, the only factor I'm slightly worried about Bristol when we get into the playoffs is when they come up against a side that has a, a game plan like Exeter, like Saracens. And I'm not saying that Leicester are are that sort of standard yet, but they can mix it in a similar way. I think Leicester, I I would not make Leicester favourites, but this is a potential Bernard skin for Bristol. And remember, they lost here, I think, was it last season or the year before? Mm -hmm. Um, They've certainly won one, but they've lost one as well at Welford Road. That game when... um, 
yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been some decent games. There's Genk, been some decent games. We were there. I went to it, actually. I was there. Um, Genk yeah. scored early, and uh, um, it, we got quite close. And then then t- I think Johnny May scored a couple of tries as well. It was, uh, yeah, it That's was a right. pretty comprehensive um, The try was in virtually the last minute or the last last yeah. few minutes of the That's game right. to get the bonus. And that was arguably Leicester's best performance under Jordan Murphy. But that shows you how long ago that was. Uh, that was there. But if Leicester get it right up front... They've got the means to win ball at source. Lineouts completely changed out of all recognition. The scrum is one of the best in the league, and they have the decent backups to come. So um, they could beat Bristol. And also, let's bear in mind, Bristol, you know, let's see what Patland comes up with in terms of a selection. Mm. Um, this might be the week to rotate. In which case, all bets are off. And if I was Pat Lowe, this is exactly the week I would... Take the Leicester side out of it. This is exactly the week I would rotate. Bring a stronger side in for the last game of the season. Rotate there. And then everybody's sharp and everybody who needs a run out is going to be ready for the semi-final. But everybody's at a break and everybody's going to be fresh. And let's be fair... At the end of what feels like the longest campaign of rugby, we all need a break, yeah. um, and that's just us fans and journalists. My God, what what a sort of break do the players need, and what entertainment they've delivered for us all. Absolutely. Well, I've got one final question. Just struck me as you were talking. I guess that this weekend is going to be your first lot of commentary with fans in the. Or will it be our game? The first commentary with with fans at Welford Road. Yes, at Welford Road. So. We are you Oh, do you know what? Actually, when you, you you also have to place where we are. I think that's that's quite important actually for where the media are. So normally we're right in the heart of the Crumby stand. So we're right in the middle of the, these wooden benches. There's all sorts of noise. There is. It's such an atmospheric place to be. It's one of the most Heath Robinson stands there is. There's no way you get permission to build it now, um, but it's. It's it's loved. It's loved in Leicestershire. Um, so when you've got the press box in the middle of it, you're just surrounded by sound, and it's a great place to watch your opinion. If you didn't watch the game at Welford Road last time in the Crumby, you won't this time, but next season, if you do get the chance, take it um, and keep your Bristol scarf uh, tucked in your coat. Um, the, yeah, the, yeah, the other thing, though, is to bear in mind is where we are now which is over in the really big stand, the Holland and Barrett uh, newsstand, and we're about halfway up. Now, all of the noise up until now has been coming from, with no fans, from the replacements, from the benches, from the medical staff, and they are right over on the other side of the field. We've just got the directors just in front of us, maybe 15, 20 people who were not as, not as noisy, whatever they say. So you really feel tucked out of the way. Now, we're staying in the same place, but the way it's going to work, just as a hint here for Bristol fans to get used to it, the Crumby stand will still be zoned off and the other three stands of Welford Road will be in use. Now, I tell you now, that atmosphere within 10,000, with 10,000 at Twickenham, that it sounded full, especially needless to say, when Harry Wells went over for the uh, for the try uh, late on in the uh, early on in the as it, yeah, it was late on in the first half, wasn't it? My God, there was one of our staff, Radio Leicester staff, who literally could see what was coming, knew Leicester were going to score, instinctively just took his headphones off and did the old Cliff Morgan. The Cliff Morgan always used to say, if you go to a Wales International at the Isle Park, take your headphones off and just listen to the anthems. He listened to the atmosphere and he was just 
blown away. And that's what it's going to be like. That's what it was like at Ashton Gate, wasn't it? Uh, it sounded fantastic on the telly. All credit to you guys. Um, I hope it's going to be similar at Walford Road, because I tell you what, the determination for Leicester fans to see this team, even if it's just going to be for one game, I cannot tell you how much people are looking forward to it. It's just a shame there's only going to be 6,000 tickets on. I'll tell you what, Chris, after that, I, I think that I might I might tune in to Radio Leicester for the game, actually, and, uh, and listen to you instead of, instead of our beloved Radio Bristol. But yeah, now that's really a really interesting insight. So I really appreciate it. And and thanks very much for, for coming on and giving us your thoughts. I mean, they're, they're really, really good. And uh, hopefully, well, we'll see. It depends on selection, as you say. Um, but, but obviously, time will tell to see what happens uh, next. Just week. one last thought, Pete. If I could just throw this in, because... I think it has to be said. Um, I think the way Bristol are coming through, it helps having cash. Don't get me wrong. Stephen Lansdowne's money is very, very handy. But I think Bristol, in the way they have gone about everything, they've modernised. The, bra- the rebranding to the Bears is an absolute masterclass in how you rebrand a sporting team. The way there is connection with its local community Um the way it delivers, and it, you know, it it brings in top name players, but there's also clearly an attempt to bring through the academy. The training ground looks spectacular. They are getting everything right, and the more clubs that follow the Bristol example, and especially with its openness to the media as a journalist of twenty years, that is something all of us crave. So, whatever it is at Bristol, keep doing what you're doing, and. Look forward to coming to Ashton Gate in the near future. Brilliant. Well, I, I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you very much. Well, Pete, um, great, great interview. Um, uh, re- really, uh, we, you didn't have to do too much interviewing, though, did you? You, you, you asked him a few questions and uh, he, he, gave, he gave some very fulsome answers and some very interesting answers. But I've got to say the thing that made me chuckle when he was talking about some of the recent results uh, against top teams, and then he kind of corrected himself, didn't he? He said, you can't call Bath a top side anymore. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he knew his audience, Tony. He knew, it all, he knew his audience, didn't he? <laughs> he certainly did. Um, OK, boys, well, let's, uh, let's have a talk about this game. Um, uh, Miles, let me come to you first. Um, your thoughts on this game? Um, I think some of us were thinking before the sale defeat, this might be the one where a few boys were given a rest. Uh, do, do, do you think Pat has to go for it all guns blazing now? <laughs> Sadly, I think I think he does, but TC. I mean, you know, as, again, as we sort of discussed on a little chat, that if we'd have won the sale game, then we could have, uh, you know, pretty much sent the B team to Leicester, but. Sadly, now the pressure is pouncing on poor Pat Lamb, and you know this really. This is going to have to be another must-win, must-win game. Really, we cannot be leaving it down to London Irish at the end of the season to get our top, top, top or second place. Really, so I think slightly annoying, slightly worrying. So uh, away on the road again at Leicester, you know they have beaten us before they have Road good side maybe not the team they were this season but the pressure is mounting and sadly really there's, there's no rest this week he's got to send a, a really strong side away to, to Leicester and, and just get the win uh, and get the top spot this weekend 
And uh, Pete, let me come to you. Um, is, is it a must-win game? Uh, you know, we've we've qualified for the um, for the playoffs. We're still eight points clear of Sale, ten points clear of clear of Quins. Um, you know, do just finish is finishing second going to be a psychological blow for us, or does it not really matter in your view? It's a tricky one. I, I think. It depends a little bit on when you're looking at the combinations of the semi-final. I mean, one plays four, two plays three. And, I mean, do we want to play Harlequins? Because they'll probably be fourth. But And do we want Exeter and Sale to sort of smash each other in the semi-final and, and get rid of one of them and the other one be a bit tired? I, I don't know. I mean, I think Pat will say every game he wants to win. I think the problem we got with Leicester is that we know what we're going to get from their pack. And it's going to, you know, their pack is, has been purring, you know, hard recently. And I think he can't, I don't think he can send up a weakened front eight uh, up to, to Welford Road because you don't want to, you know, we still got to keep that confidence up and keep and keep some momentum going. And, you know, we don't want to lose two games in a row. Um, that, that wouldn't be good. So I think it's a, it's a tricky a tricky selection process. I'll tell you one thing, though. Pat may be toying over whether he's going to send Nathan Hughes up after what happened last season. <laughs> he's re-listening to episodes of The Scrum from last season and reminding himself about... I mean, I don't think it was the fact that Nathan ate a kebab. It was the fact that he dodged about 20, all those cars across the dual carriageway to get over there. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be... Give an interesting team selection, probably more difficult than he hoped for. Okay, and Lee, let me come to you. Your your thoughts as well is is is, is this a must win game or uh, you know uh, is, are, are we pretty much assured that that top two finish? No, I, I agree with Miles. I think this this is a must win game. I think that Pat knows that we we sealed this one and then we're we're top of the tree. Um, I want to take a little bit of umbrage to the boys, though, because like sending weakened sides, I don't like the sound of that. You know, it's like we're, we we don't have weakened sides, boys. We we've got a squad of players who I who I think we're you know we're I think they've all had a lot of game time through you know various different reasons this season, injuries and vice versa. But you know, I I think that we've got a squad of players now for the first time, probably well, in certainly the in the period that we've supported Bristol we've got a squad of players who could all step up um, when needed I mean you know I, I personally I mean I do think this is must win and I do think we will win Welford Road and um, and I think it will be with the squad that Pat picks whether it's the, the A team or the B team as Mars would say but it's a team that would, is going to win and, I, and I, I, I do think personally it is a it is a a must win. I think it keeps us top of the tree, and it, it just keeps the momentum rolling again. Yeah, I think whichever way you look at it, I think having lost twice to Sale now, um, we we would want to avoid them in the semi final. And to be honest, I almost think our style of play is, um, and it's proved it this season. You know, winning down in Exeter, um, actually teams that have a bit bit more ambition. Um, we 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 play better against because it does does allow a bit more uh, space. Where Sale's hugely defensive uh, way of putting things uh, about on the pitch 
um, we, we have struggled with, as, as, as we just talked about. I mean, it's going to be fascinating okay. because on the Friday night, Friday the 4th, um, it is Sale versus Harlequins. So, um, you know, we'll have the benefit of knowing how that game goes. If Quinns can go up there and uh, get a bit of an upset, um, potentially that, that paints a slightly different picture on um, our needs to ensure a, a top two finish. But, uh, hell yeah, we've been top of this table for so long now to to not finish the season top of the table I think would be really disappointing and quite a psychological blow going into yeah. the playoffs yeah. uh, so, Tony on, on that point just quickly it'd be interesting you know after what we've just discussed on the pod you know tonight it'd be interesting to see how Marcus Smith how how Cell play him and how he plays against Cell as well because they're kind of mixing it up a bit that we that we were hoping Callum might do, you know, uh, Friday night. I think you'll see that from Smith, and I think that would be quite an interesting game. You know, it was almost like a precursor to the um, to the playoffs for us. And, and do you know, in a, in a strange way, one of the things I was thinking about, I should have mentioned it that when we've got tough games like Sale, and we need to we need to try something different. I really do think that's where Harry Randall comes into his own. Um, that you know, I I think the quickness of thought and some of those quick tap penalties can all of a sudden really put a a very organised defence on the back foot. Um, and uh, I, I I just think his quick decision making is maybe something that that could have made a difference. Certainly when we we were getting a, a few penalties. Well, Tony, I mean, their guy, well, Rafi Quirk, when he came on, he did exactly that for sale. He, yeah. he, he, he had a little bit more ambition than Faf de Klerk, ironically. I mean, de Klerk is, you know, we all know what he does and he's, he's a great box kicker and a, a hassler and whatever. But, I mean, that's exactly what Quirk did. And, and complete, I mean, our defence, as we'd set up to that point, had been pretty solid. And then he came on, made a couple of breaks and it was chaos. So I think it's a really good point you make that um, we just need that we we do need that little extra spark if we're going to win if we're going to if we're going to win it. Yeah. Uh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so uh, selection wise, Miles, if you, if you're uh, if you're still underwater, hopefully you can you can still hear us. Um, uh, what kind of changes to the starting fifteen do you see then? Well, very, very few. I mean, apart from obviously, as you pointed out, the, the query over Dan Thomas. Um, I'm not sure I'd change that lineup, to be honest with you. We may find out that Morahan is going through HIA assessment over the next sort of um, five to ten days. I don't know what the protocol is exactly. So we might find that we have to sort of stick Lloyd back in. Um, but seeing, seeing if that whole team are fit and the whole bench are fit. Um, I think you've got to send a strong side to Leicester, really, to sort of uh, show our dominance and get that try and get that top spot. So I probably wouldn't change it. Okay, Pete. Let me come to you. Would uh, do, you, do you foresee any any changes? Uh, oh, I don't know. I mean, we obviously Big Steve got a rest. Well, he was know, injured, wasn't he? Oh, was he injured? I yeah. didn't realise yeah. that. So, and, was, and, and forgive me for for having very poor knowledge here, boys, because I'm getting. Was Randall on the bench? He wasn't there, was it? He warmed up. So warmed up. I, I think the word is that he should be available for, for next week. I mean, I think we, if we need him, to, if we need him, if we need him to win this premiership, he's going to have to get some game time sharpish. And if he's fit, I wonder whether, you know, it's time for it. He may start. Um, 
And I mean, Andy Aren has, has shouldered a huge burden over the last second half of the season. So I, I wonder whether it's, it's it's time for 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 um, Randall to to get a start, just so he gets some some game time, gets heart, gets some match fitness, because there aren't that many games left, are there? So I, I wonder. I, I just, I mean, that's con- probably not. He may start on the bench, but I do wonder whether that's a possibility. Um, I mean, I, I going back to Piers O'Connor. I, I think he'd, he'd, he'd be desperate to have another game, <laughs> just so that he can, <laughs> like, you know, feel like he gets the ball with about less than about a millimeter of space before he gets smashed by somebody. Um, and I mean, up front. I mean, what's the status of Joycey? Do we know? Is he is he still injured? Because he needs to get some game time soon. If he's because he's going to be an important part, I think of our of our quest up the mountain. Still, still, listed, wondering... still listed as injured. Yeah. yeah injured yeah I mean I mean we've got Holmes as well I mean it's like you, you know I mean that would and Bowie have played a lot you know if, if this is the one where we those that those two get a bit of a bench maybe it's a, it's a tricky one and uh, I mean again yeah Thomas aside I mean it, you know I'd have thought Harding would play again if he's if Thomas is out of favour and uh, you know Hughes kebabs uh, you know permitting I mean Hughesy <laughs> will be there as well because we know he likes game time and, and Ben Earl, obviously, I, I imagine, um, you know, we want to get the most out of the money that we got left of them, don't we? So, yeah, I get right. playing, so we get our money's worth. So, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I'm sure they'll, I mean, I, I suppose the other thing is, it, is, is Thacker going to start um, at hooker now that he's, uh, now that he's got his pink boots dirty? Do you think he'll, uh, he'll, he'll want to start? I, I suspect he might get a start. Um, well, especially against against Leicester, where where he came yeah. from, a little, little bit more, yeah, yeah. Uh, little bit more spice there. Uh, Lee, yeah. what, 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 what's your thoughts, Lee? Do you do you see uh, many many changes within that twenty three? Well, my my thoughts are Pete's basically taken half the team out there, hasn't he? Like he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't left with a lot of options at all. You can always you can always disagree um, with me. <laughs> no, I, to be honest, I I do think it will. I agree with both Miles and Pete. I think it will be pretty much the same squad. Um, I I do wonder though in the front row. I, I was thinking myself that um, Facker might get a start against Leicester. Um, I was also wondering as well. I think maybe Jan Thomas possibly might come into the... Because it was a physical game against Sal. And Jan's been playing really well, hasn't he? Very consistent. Um, And I just wonder, I did think maybe um, Ed Holmes possibly for for Big Dave in the second row. Um, But I think, again, as Miles had said, taking Luke aside, um, you know, possibly uh, maybe Lloyd stepping in for for Morahan. and then I guess it's really if um, if Superman Stephen Lewatu is back, um, and then obviously the the obvious thing would be that Harden would step aside. But I do think it would be a uh, you know pretty much the the same team that we played uh, against Sal. Well, yeah, it's gonna it, it will be fascinating, and uh, uh, yeah, I I just think we might see one or two players come in just to to give some of those regulars a rest. I think yeah, Atwood maybe could Holmes come in for Atwood. Um, yeah, I think if um, Randall is match fit uh, or is fit, then he does need to get some game time. And I wouldn't be surprised, maybe if he started on the bench, but to see him get a good thirty-minute run out, um, I think it's going to be interesting on the wings. I don't know how how far away Newell Argo is from from fitness. 
but do you do you go into a game with um, pretty much having two fly half stroke fullbacks uh, on on either wing um, with with Malins and potentially Lloyd if he came in for Morahan um, and yeah at centre Siali Piatau was an unused sub um, I, I I reckon he'll get the start. Okay, well let's let's move on. Um, and listeners that have been with us for some time uh, might remember uh, our feature, certainly in series one, gets my goat. Now we haven't had too many of them in the uh, the last few months, but uh, I, I think gets my goat comes back. And Miles, let me come to you. What's got your goat this week? Well, I think the last goat was probably Pete's T-shirt, wasn't it? But this, I think, could uh, could be well above that. I mean, the fact that you know, we were excited on Wednesday morning to be and the anticipation of buying our tickets for the London Irish game at 10 a.m. made me, in fact, I've been on night shifts all this with TC, made me get up after an hour and a half sleep, set my alarm, log on to two devices in anticipation of getting a ticket, and lo and behold, Bristol Sports IT system completely flipping crashed. And I believe it wasn't until nearly midday that fans could get tickets. I got bored. I, I went back to bed furious. I could hardly sleep. I was that cross too soon. <laughs> Thankfully, bailed out, by you, bailed out by you guys. You kindly got me a ticket. But yet again, the fans forum was, was on fire with the amount of complaints about the ineptitude of the uh, of the IT system. It worked so well the week before for the Gloucester game. We would love to hear from the club what on earth went wrong. So that's week, that's, that's a massive goat from... It was a very tired me on Wednesday morning. Yeah, again, it's so disappointing that, you know, we, we, we've seen this, what, two, three times in the last year. Where, where the IT just hasn't stacked up. And, uh, you know, if this is sorting it out when people are just season ticket holders trying to get hold of 6,000 tickets, you know, good goodness gracious, can you imagine what it would be like if uh, if it was uh, trying to get hold of 27,000 tickets and uh, having loads of people on the line? So, yes, uh, a good goat for, for this week. Um, let me come to you now, Pete. Um we had a sign-in this week. Um, uh, Antoine Frisch um, is joining from Rouen uh, at, uh, for the start of next season, 24-year-old. Um, your thoughts on that? Um, I'm sure a big surprise to everyone. Yeah, yeah, real surprise. It's fun when that happens, though, Tone, isn't it, when we get surprises? And um, recommended by Richard Hill, ex-coach, obviously, Um who is, is well is just finishing his tenure, I think, as, as coach of Rouen. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a look on uh, YouTube, Tone, and I tell you what, he didn't look like a fresh out of water, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> Save the rig for the, uh, the, 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 the articles, Ben. Mm. All right, both, both, let's not let the rig enter the podcast. <laughs> Is is there any more? Or was that pun? You you were just leading oh, up to that oh, pun? Well, I thought I I thought I made myself very clear there, Tony. <laughs> he looks like a good signing to me. Yeah. No, and um, Lee, if I come to you, um, uh, another one that maybe Pat is plucking from a little bit of obscurity that uh, he he's hoping to uh, to to mould in the Bears' way. And uh, at twenty four, certainly a player that's uh, that is is in his prime. 
Yeah, and um, I, like Pete said, it was nice to get a, a little surprise there, wasn't it? And that was completely... I don't think any of us had, uh, had even heard like an inkling on that. So, I mean, the, the one thing we do know is is, is Pat is... Um, he, he definitely kind of does work on that basis of uh, he will check someone out from a recommendation, wouldn't he? And um, the, the the guy does look good. I did have a look at some of the footage, and um, yeah, he he certainly looks like a player that um, they would be very coachable in um, in in Pat's own words. And he and he speaks English, doesn't he? Because his mum apparently is from Devon. Yeah. So it's not. I mean, I, I know that's you know joking aside. I mean that is quite important as well because. You know, obviously he's, he's French, but he's he's a fluent English speaker as well. That's going to clearly help his coachability. So um, I think I think he looks he looks um, yeah he looks. I mean, I think he's he potentially is a a Ciali replacement, isn't he? Um, well, we've we we've been talking he's... about we've been talking about that the last few weeks, haven't we? Yeah, you know, potentially yeah. Ciali kind of moving on, or, you know, into coaching or whatever. So yeah, it does it does um, does look quite promising, doesn't it? Absolutely, English qualified. So uh, not only an English speaker, but English qualified, which uh, which is good. Um, let me come to you uh, then, Lee. Uh, we've had someone uh, sign a contract extension as well this week. Um, our our favourite lovable prop, Mr. Max Laheef. Were you pleased to see Max uh, signing on the dotted line? Yeah, fantastic. He's... Uh, um... I mean, what what Max gives us not not just on the field but off the field is is immense, isn't it? I mean, I can honestly say, like at times when my mental health has been struggling, you just have to listen to some of uh, Mr. Lahif's commentaries, and um, you know he's he's just brilliant around the place, isn't he? So yeah, absolutely well earned, and um, it'll be great to see him, uh, you know, for uh, how long was the extension to? We don't know, and I think this is this is something that that slightly annoys me with the club now. They seem to have stopped talking about how long these these contract extensions are. Um, so you know, we don't don't know whether it's a year, six months, two seasons. Uh, we don't know, but uh, at, at least we do know he signed on the dotted line. Yeah, yeah, um, like I like to say, well earned, and you know, fantastic uh, character to have around the, the whole squad, isn't he? One hundred percent. Okay. Well, you've been listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail dot com. On Twitter, we're Bears Beyond Gate, and on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, one thing I'm just looking at my notes. One thing I forgot to get from you, boys was your predictions for the Leicester game. So let me come to Miles first in the stately home down in Devon, your country <laughs> retreat, um, your your school prediction, please. Well, actually, I'm only about a, a mile and a half from Sandy Park. Alas, but I'm not entirely sure we're going to get a 74-point 74, 74 win over Tigers. Um I think, you know, I'm going to go for something in a region of about three tries. So maybe 21 for Bristol uh, and 10 for Leicester for me. OK. Uh, Pete, in the glorious uh, South Hams, uh, as the sun is setting on your caravan, what's your, your score prediction? Well, I think it's going to be a, an arm wrestle again. I, I, but he ain't going to be like Sale. I, I think we will score three tries, like Miles says. 
um, maybe the old penalty. I think maybe we might kick a couple of penalties for a change this time. So I'm going to go for 23-8. 23-8. And Lee, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think, again, it will be a bit of a tussle to start with, but I do think we'll start, you know, um, the superiority will start kicking in. I'm going to go for um, a 28-17 team. 28-17. Well, I, I've written down 24-17 for the Bears. So uh, there we are. All four of us are predicting a Bristol win. Let's keep our fingers crossed uh, that is the case. Well, that's it for this show. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or leave a review or rating for us on your favourite podcast platform. We'll be back next week with our review of the Leicester game. Until then, goodbye, stay safe and come on, Briz. Briz.